Hey everybody, it's your girl, Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of Glassboro, New Jersey. You know it, right here on BlackSetRadio.com. How y'all doing? Um, glad to be here as always. And you know, you know how it go. I ain't got time to sit and chit and chit chat and smile because, oh my goodness. We got so much to get to today. Okay, so here we go. This is like a bonus show. Do you understand the words that's coming out of my mouth? This is like a bonus show because here's what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to talk to somebody who is young and who has um, small children as an expat here in Panama. We're going to talk to educators. Matter of fact, there's three people on the show and they're all educators in um an international school out in Nuevo Gorgona. It's called um, Panama Coast International School. So you're going to get Black expats, you're going to get educators, you're going to get young, um, you're going to get um, people who have lived in Panama for several years, you know, who can give you true um, life experiences. You're going to get tips for those people who want to come to Panama and bring your um, your students here, your um, children to be enrolled in school. And, you know, that is always a subject that people are asking me about as far as, you know, bringing their kids to school. We've had like a parent on before, but this is going to be a different perspective because all of these in all of these individuals that you will meet today on the show are educators um, within the school system here in Panama. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to um, Darren and Sherry Salter and Greg Lowe. So don't go nowhere. You know the deal. I'll be right back. I'm going to get them connected and uh, we'll be right back. So this is Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of Glassboro, New Jersey, right chair on BlackSidRadio.com. I'll be right back, y'all. Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama, and I'm coming to you today to make sure that you know about our new Black Expats in Panama community platform. That's right, our BEAT community platform, or BCP. That can be found at blackexpatsinpanama.net. Just click on that link that says, join the community. There you will find businesses, groups. As members, you'll be um, privy to events, you can have you can sell things with the classified um, section. You'll get exclusive information offering and interviews. You get discounts on Black Expats in Panama meetups and tours and ITA global um, events as well, and so much more. So go over there, check out the membership, see which one is right for you, and let us know if you have any questions. Thank you. And here we are. Hello, my friends. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? I am so glad to have y'all on the show. And you know something? This is the first time that I've had a radio show that I had more than two guests with me. So I'm really happy. And I know my audience is happy too because they're like, maybe she could just be quiet. 
You know what I'm saying? And let her guest <laughs> talk a little bit. You know what I mean? So uh, I know that they are very excited to hear from you today. And, you know, like I was saying before we started the show, there are so many people that are moving now with students, you know, internationally. And you guys are, you, you're you filling two roles today. You are Black expats in Panama. And then you are also intricately within the school system in Panama. I'm going to start with Mr. Gregory Lowe. So, hey, Greg, come on, talk to me. Tell me where you're from. Hey, how are you? Panama. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for letting me uh, be on the show. Super excited. A little bit nervous. <laughs> um, but so my journey uh, to Panama is, you know, a little bit straightforward. I was always always adventurous. Um I uh, left New Jersey when I was 18. I just left and I moved to uh, Tallahassee to go to FAMU, um, where I studied uh, education, Spanish, and anthropology. And so I got my degree there. My parents were really mad about that because they told me not to go to Florida. I had to make it by myself, you know, hustling and grinding. Well, so at McDonald's. What part, Jersey, <laughs> what part of Jersey was you in? Oh, uh, so I'm from uh, Plainfield, New Jersey. So it's like oh. Central Jersey. Area. Oh wow. Okay. All right. So then you so you went to college. And so I always ask yeah. people. So you went to college in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh huh. Yep. And then did that end up being your home after that, or did you go back to Jersey when school was over? No, ma'am. I decided to go back to Jersey, but even even that didn't seem like my home. You know, uh, I went back with uh, the intent to, you know, just be a teacher, be a coach. And I was set for life. But that wasn't in the cards for me, you know. So what ended up happening was um, friends of mine had told me Panama is awesome, it's dope. And I had been thinking about going to uh, in another country. It was 2012. I was like 27. No kids. Uh, mm -hmm. My lease was about to be up in August. So imagine. And I was like, you know what? Let's see. And I had three criteria. It had to have a place that had the dollar because I didn't I didn't like doing a currency exchange. It had to have a place that spoke Spanish because I studied Spanish. And probably the biggest thing, it had to have black people. And I, and I know that sounds a little bit silly, but I didn't want to see seem so out of place that people automatically knew me. But whether I would have liked it or not, they would have known me because <laughs> they knew mm -hmm. me. Uh, they Everybody knows me around where I am uh, when I arrived here. So I got here around 2012. I got a job working at uh, the same school that I'm at now. It, I love the school. It gave me the autonomy to work and uh, develop these students. And uh, I was gracious enough to meet a lot of uh, beautiful people and uh it you know it, it but i have to say it was there was some loneliness you know because i was down here by myself uh -huh. you know being a uh a, a 27 year old 27. i was having fun but i wasn't really you know i didn't have kids you know and i was down here by myself and it was you know uh uh it, it was kind of saddening for me because i also wanted my family you know from the states to come and visit you know, uh, and, but at the end of the day, I got my uncle, or at least I tell him he's my uncle. I got my aunt, at least I tell her she's my aunt, right? 
And it's not, and, 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 and that helped me develop the sense that not all family is blood. Yes. And I really do cherish that. For real. Oh my God. I'm loving this. I mean, because I've known absolutely. I've known this dude since I was maybe seven or eight years old. He was my track coach. Wow. And then he was uh his son and I were in Cub Scouts together. And ever since then, and we're now we're talking about 30 years, because I'm about to be 38. Mm. Yeah, I, now, I, I don't I don't sat here and did the math. I had Jack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so talk, talk about thirty years, and, I, and and even though it wasn't constant, you know, a, a, a lot of roles are constant, you know. And I've seen him in different parts of my life, and I always remembered him, you know. And he has, he and his wife has been such an integral part of my life, and the one of the main big reason why I'm a lot more comfortable here, and that I stayed. This is my eleventh year here. So that's amazing. Okay, we gotta get yeah. back. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do some hopping around here because I gotta get back <laughs> yeah, to yeah. a couple things with your story. Because first of all, I've been trying to figure out what kept you entertained in um <laughs> Gorgona. Are we really Gorgona. Gorgona. No, not Coronado. Do, we don't do Coronado out here. Do do oh no. So back then it was a lot more. And, and you pick your fancy, but it was a lot more of, you know, the type of, first of all, I didn't have a car, you know what I mean? So me walking over there, that's like, it's going to take at least 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Not only that, but I feel like even though we were all American or foreigners, that they still looked at me a certain way. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's still like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it has changed a, a lot dramatically since 2012 but when i was there it was just like oh and you from the united states and i'm like yeah aren't you from like new york you're from new york i'm from jersey we're like have similar no nope <laughs> and there was a lot of controversy i stayed in my zone and you know what it actually helped me a lot more it helped wow. me learn spanish it helped me build stronger friendships and bonds with panamanians out here and it made me feel a lot more comfortable Yes, you know, and so, so you felt uh, more embraced by the Panamanians than your American, more. your North American totally counterpart. More. Totally more. I maybe have, I would say, one or two foreign friends that I would call my dear friends, um, and that's excluding my aunt and my uncle. You know what yes. I mean? And uh, and everybody else is Panamanian. Mm -hmm. Everyone. Else. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. Okay, so now this story gets um, even better and just so much more unique because normally it's the it's the aunt and uncle that would bring the nephew <laughs> along, but somehow or another, I mean, talk about love. How how did he get y'all out here? How did well, you get y'all? Yeah. Huh? Well, hey, you got you take it from y'all. Y'all take it. Y'all take okay. it. Okay, <laughs> I met Greg. While I was teaching, um, I I would. Oh, you was here way back when, huh? You was here already, or you? This was no, back we're, we're, we're no, all we're from all from Plainfield, New Jersey. We're okay, all from the same town. We're all okay, from the same gotcha. town. My my background years. I went to school. I went to Morgan State University, and I majored in accounting, and got out. 
went back to Plainfield, worked for a couple of, of corporations, and found out that I hated finance. I didn't like it. <laughs> Accounting was boring to me. And I, I had prayed over it. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, I got, I got to take money back. And I've been to school. I don't like, I just don't like it. Yeah. And so after prayer and, and, and going over it, um, for me, I was downsized within, within a month. And I was the happiest person to be downsized that everybody else was crying. What you mean downsized? Downsized was they they let a, a whole team of us in the finance oh, department oh, oh, go. Got you, got you, got you. And I, I I was jumping for joy inside. I couldn't, you know, I had to fake it because I had been praying for something to happen. Mm -hmm. And so that happened. I kept saying to myself, I'm going to take about a month. I'm going to chill. And then I'm going to start looking for a new job. And I was home, not even a full week. And my my um, assistant pastor at my church called me and said, Sherry, would you be interested in being a permanent substitute? I said, substitute for who? She said, at the charter school. Now, all of this going on, we were in the process, our church um, and my assistant pastor, who was our ex uh uh, what do you call it, uh, English teacher. Mm -hmm. She knew me from teaching Sunday school. She had been training me as a teacher for years. Wow. And so I said to her, I said, well, I don't know this stuff. I, I don't really know how to deal with children. She said, you've been dealing with them every Sunday. And so I said, okay. It was a okay. full-time job, paying a little less, but it was right around the corner from my home. It was in my community. And I fell in love with teaching. Wow. And you fell in love that, with the children? With the, with the children, I fell in love with teaching. I felt I was in my element. And so I had been there maybe a year or so, and I met this one. He came, and Greg was the Spanish teacher for the elementary students. Well, I guess all of them, but I saw him with the elementary students. And I couldn't believe how this young man was teaching children Spanish that I couldn't speak. <laughs> Wow. And so I went home, raved about Greg to Darren. And Darren said, and I said, oh, I know what it was. Greg said, um, he told the children he was from Panama. So when I said, who's the new teacher? That's Mr. Greg. He's from Panama. And so I went home raving about the man from Panama. Darren said, what did you say his name was? Oh, after school. Oh, you were after school too? Okay. And so I'm telling them about Greg. He said, Greg Lowe is from Plainfield. Wow. I said, no, he's from Plainfield. I told the fib. I told the fib. I'm not even going to lie. And he, he told me why. He said he got tired of the children uh, asking him, how do you speak Spanish? They were made because we have Spanish speaking. We have a large Spanish speaking community in Plainfield, but they're uh -huh. much lighter skinned. So they were not used yeah. to seeing a dark man speaking Spanish. So he told me he was from Panama. Oh, he a said, year later, and and they didn't know speak Spanish. That's a good like Greg back when you were just was. There we go. Sorry about that, but now I have to figure out how I'm gonna sit. Hold on. I'm sorry no, to interrupt. You're, 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 you're okay. To... You're okay. Um. Yeah. So wow. So Greg was. So Greg was uh doing the thing. So Greg was doing his thing. Then Darren, 
So when I yeah. read to Darren, now you take over. I was gonna say, so if I so if I can interject, you know, as husband and wife, you always have, you know, there's always the other story. So yeah. so throughout our throughout our life, you know, I've like I said, I was Greg's track coach. Um, I'm a sick, I was a single parent raising my son and daughter. And so I, I, I had my son in, in Cub Scouts. Greg's father was the Cub Scout leader. And so we kind of built the bond from that. But throughout life, we worked at Applebee's together. Oh, we, yeah. uh, we did the track program. We worked as, after he got out of school, we worked at Applebee's together. And then we all were working at the charter school. I'm a little different when I came in education. I came in education, um, like Sherry, I was in corporate America. But uh, as a single parent, um, I had I had children, and so I was downsized and decided to go into education as a professional substitute to shadow my kids through school. And so I, I did that, and I, I've coached, you know, mm -hmm. for, for many years, for 30 years, and I just put the two together, and we all hooked up at UC, at UC Teens. We were also working at a, at a community center, because we're all... We're all involved in the community. And so we're working in the community center together. And, and Sherry kept saying to Greg, well, when are you going to invite us to Panama? When are you going to invite us? So we came to Panama on the East Island. I'll never forget it. Uh -huh. uh, we was here for Easter Sunday. Big, big shingling they have on Easter here in Gorgona. And we fell in love. We left on a Tuesday. Um, Friday, and Greg was telling us how lonely he was. And like I said, that's <laughs> That's my that's my dude. So you know, so I'm more, I said, Sherry, you know, we get the opportunity. Let's go to Panama. You know, and we like that's crazy. Both our parents, our children were grown, and sure enough, we left on a Tuesday, Friday evening. We got a phone call from the director of the school. Said, How would you guys like to come down as a couple? And because we just had a, we had a couple to left, and I came down as the PE teacher since I had been coaching. And and Sherry and Sherry um came down as the ELA. So you can take it up from there. That's about it. That's that's, that's that was our journey, our journey here. So okay, so Greg got there in um twenty twelve. What mm -hmm. year was it that you came? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay. So what I what I really like about what I really like about that story is, like I said, it's usually the other way around, you know, where the, the older people are leading the, the younger mm -hmm. people. In this case, he led you. And 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 I feel like for him to come and have like that low that loneliness is is one of the biggest issues for black, not for black expats, for expats. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For expats. Um, especially when you're in a place that speaks another language. Now, he speaks Spanish. So that was that was already good. Now, Greg, you were teaching Spanish, right? Yes, ma'am. I was teaching, I had various jobs, um, but uh when I met uh Miss Salter, I was teaching by that time um elementary Spanish, elementary middle school Spanish. And it was just basic Spanish and conjugation. So it was it was pretty simple, you know. So, and so your students, so tell me, you, you haven't said the name of your school. Say the name of the school. So the school that uh, me and Ms. Salta work at is called Panama Coast International School. Okay. So Panama Coast International School. And your position there? 
in my position, I'm the vice principal of secondary. That is so awesome. You're doing the thing. Yeah. So it took a little bit. <laughs> so so <laughs> this school, Panama Post Post International school. International School. So it's an international school. So now the little bit that I've learned about international um schools is that international schools are on like a US schedule, right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct? They, yeah. International calendar. So we start mid-August and we end in like the first or second week in June. Okay. So mm -hmm. the students that, that you teach are primarily foreigners. Yes. Well, and I like to think uh, since I've been here in 2012, um, I, I first have to say that uh, we kind of have exploded. Uh, we were, um, 2012, we were about... 35 kids. I had the largest class, which was like 16 kids. Um, and that was a whole school, K through 12. 35 um, since, Yeah, 35, 35 kids. Total. Yeah. Yep. In total. And I had the largest classroom. After that, before the pandemic, we were about, I would say like 150, right, guys? Mm-hmm. After the pandemic, we shot up to like two. Uh, to 200, and then now we're probably close, very close to 300 students. Uh, so, so we have, have never, a lot of construction going on. And I, I said, that never had it sounds like some serious expansion right there. Oh, it's bananas. It's bananas. And wow. the goal is for everyone to speak English. Yes, regardless of where they're from. This school is truly international, No one, not only in the sense of when they have school, mm -hmm. right? Or the curriculum, but also literally we have kids from all over. And I like to think that they come in waves. Mm -hmm. um, when I was there, there was a lot, there was a large European, when I first started, a large European wave, a lot of Italian families, a lot of German families. Um, before the pandemic, we started to notice, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that we started to get a large influx of white South Africans. Yep. And mm -hmm. since the pandemic, um, we have noticed that there has been a large influx of middle-class Panamanians. So a lot more Spanish uh, speakers. Um, because before it was a lot easier for uh, kids or a Spanish speaker to integrate and learn English, right? But now it's a little bit more difficult because maybe the two or three uh, kids that are sitting with you they all speak Spanish. So instead of you being one of five kids, right, it's three out of five kids that speak Spanish. So that, um, it, it, get, it, it became a, it's, it's become a unique challenge, but we're doing a lot better. Wow. Yeah, so, it comes in waves. They all come in waves. So that school goes from what grade to what grade? Um, nursery. Cause I got my daughter in there. <laughs> okay. All the way to twelfth uh, grade. Really? Yep. With a graduating, uh, you can graduate with a Panamanian diploma, and or a uh, uh, American diploma. Okay. So, is there a difference between getting an international diploma? Because, am I correct in that? Um, if you go to an international school, that those credits can be transferred anywhere in the world. Is that correct? 
Uh, yes, but because we are certified from uh, the Ministry of Education here in Panama, if you are, uh, let's say, not a graduating senior, then all of uh, your credits would be applicable, not only in Panama, but in other parts of the world as well. Um, okay. uh, we work a little bit differently uh, of how we grant uh, the American diploma, uh, but we can get into that if we if and when we need to. Um, okay. It's, okay. It's, it's pretty simple, but we're certified by the Ministry of Education here. And then we have online platforms that we use so that the kids, regardless of Panamanian or international from wherever, they can obtain an American diploma. And from there, go back to Spain, go to, uh, go to Germany, go to Poland, go to Argentina, wherever. Wow. So let me let me shift gears a little bit. So y'all came in 2016, mm. and when now they have something called a professional visa. When you came, when you came to Panama, and you you both took jobs as teachers, right? Because Darren, you were a, phys, a phys, physical education teacher. Do yes. they still have physical education in Panama? Oh yes, oh yes, and they have a pretty good program at. I, even though I'm no longer there, uh, we they built the built the soccer field. Um, the school is expanding, so yeah, definitely. So, because I don't think physical education is a big part of U.S. education anymore. I mean, physical, yeah, phys ed. Not like okay. here, because yeah, I no. because I've done it in both. I've done it in both before I left the states. Um, I'm where I am now. I'm. I'm also. I'm a substitute at the school, okay. so I didn't retire. I, I I substitute and I do special projects at the school. But when I was in the states, um, physical education was on a decline, and yeah. that's why it was so important when I came here to kind of reestablish it because I come from an era when physical education was important. So that Me was a great too. question. Very, very good point. Very good I, point. I have it, and so I do. I come from where you know you have physical education and you learned how to write <laughs> handwriting. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, none of which is is a is, and you would think that with all of the um, obesity and you know juvenile diabetes and you know everything that we would have never taken that out of the mm -hmm. schools right. in the U.S. But it just got less and less and less and less. I remember having to dress out. You know, you'd have to put on your uniform, and if you didn't, you got marked down. You know, mm -hmm. you had some exposure to almost every kind of, um, you know, sport, and yep. um, and and it was also a good time just to relax and 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 fellowship and get to know other other students because our gym classes were integrated. So yep. in our classes, we would just have certain people in our classes. You know, I guess because I came from a very small place, because we are from Jersey, so hey. Oh, hey. Yeah, I'm from Jersey. I'm from South Jersey, um, Glassboro, Glassboro State, huh. from the map. Yeah. Um, and it was the teacher college back in the day. It is now Rowan University, mm -hmm. but I actually graduated from Clayton High School, which Clayton High, mm -hmm. you know Jersey, y'all know Jersey. Jersey got a million and one towns. Jersey is this big, <laughs> but you ain't never, you meet somebody, if you know Jersey's so small, and they always say, what, what town are you from? And they be like, Red River. Like, wait, <laughs> yeah. 
right between, you know, it's just right between and whatever. It's like all these little towns, all these little two-way streets. Everybody thinks that all of Jersey is like, you know, city mm -hmm. and metropolitan. Oh, no. Oh, no. Jersey to me is like a lot of Jersey is, oh my God, I can't, I can't think of the word. It's like, you know, small town USA. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. And that, that is part of a lot of single lane roads. I hated driving in Jersey with the lights glaring in my eyes mm -hmm. and all those single lane roads, all them daggone deers. And I say, I come from the real garden state. You know, that's where, right. The garden right, state. I'm from the real bar country as I want to be. <laughs> I actually went to a, a school in Clayton, New Jersey. It was the smallest school, I believe, in New Jersey, smallest high school mm. in New Jersey. And uh, my graduating class was a whopping 85 members. Mm. So I always tell them, look, baby, I graduated 14 in my class. Look, I don't tell you. <laughs> I'm in the zone of eight and five of us. So, and that that was really without applying myself um too much. Let me make you laugh about school systems. You know, nowadays if kids miss school, I wanted to take my daughter with me on vacation the last week of the school year. One time, the girl I got A's all through. They was like, if you take her out, if she misses five days, she's gonna fail. It was something crazy. Mm. She would be yeah. it, would, it would be detrimental to her education career. Baby, guess how many days I missed my senior year? Just guess, just for fun. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yes. Try forty seven. Oh, okay. no wonder you was taking out. <laughs> Lord, listen, I was busy. You know what I'm saying? I had things to do. People see places to go, you know. And so I've just I missed I missed a lot. I missed a lot of school. By the time you know, I was the youngest. My mom was like, I don't know what to do with it. But um, mm. you know, I, I missed a lot of school and I played hooky a lot and still pass. You know, so things have changed a lot. Go. And but I think that it's it's very interesting. First of all, to see black educators in Panama because a lot of people don't expect that you know like Greg and Greg said you know I think that for him to know that you know Panama was you know a melanated place where he felt like he could fit in better but and he probably you probably would have maybe in the city so when you came here Greg did you this did you try the city first or had you, you did you just apply for a school job so um, it was it was a little bit odd because I had already bought the ticket and I didn't have a job. <laughs> Maybe a thousand dollars saved up. But you go on to Florida when they told you not to, and then you'd be like, "Look here, I got a ticket to Panama." That's fine. Like, boy, was they done with you? Oh my god! So go ahead. And so, um, like, I was applying to these places in the city. Um, that my that my friends when they came back they told me about but I didn't really uh they were like oh you gotta be here we don't really like uh like over the internet interviews we don't want phone interviews I was like well you know let me just go down there I'll find a hotel my Spanish will get by let me just try it mm. <clears throat> and so a week before I got there then I got a call from uh the principal of the school and she says would you like 
uh, a job here being an elementary school teacher. And we will give you a place to stay and a stipend. Like that's how it worked, right? Um, because they couldn't technically hire us as technical teachers, right? And it was a stipend. And like and at that time, the school was so small that they took a portion of whatever they were going to give me. And then I had a place on the beach. And I was like, a place on the beach? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, so I took it. And <laughs> my mom was all, my mom was all riled up. My parents don't really go on planes. Uh, they just now seen me for the first time in Panama and my daughters uh, in November, this past November. So if you if you can imagine, I've been here for ten years and they hadn't seen me, and in Panama, I always go back in every Panama. summer. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me talk about this for a second. Let me talk about Bunny Pass Magazine. Have you ever heard of Leroy Adams? Leroy Adams is a young brother, and uh, was Leroy? I think Leroy was from Florida. I think Leroy is from Florida, but he created this magazine and it's called Buddy Pass Magazine. And um, it's about Black people moving um, abroad and just traveling international, speaks to the, the millennials and things like that. Really good, really, really, really good. Matter of fact, he just asked by the Biden administration to be on some you know, council or something. Uh, really proud of him. He's another young brother, like early 30s and stuff too. But we talked about the fact that Black people, traditionally, we are afraid of travel. It is just not what we do. And quite <laughs> frankly, I I wasn't completely untraveled by the time my daughter turned 30. But I'm not going to lie. When she turned 30 and she was like, I'm going to Thailand, I'm going to Dubai. She was just taking this world trip. You know what I'm saying? By herself. She went to Rome. I was, everything in me just tensed up. And I knew that I couldn't let her know how worried and afraid I was yeah. for her to go because, I mean, she needed to live her life and I was really glad that she was doing it. But Buddy Pass gives part of the money they make from their magazine back to scholarships because he went on an international scholarship when he was in school. And he was just saying how his family was so against it. And it's just that we are not, we are just not as comfortable with travel, let alone mm -hmm. international travel. So yeah. even sometimes when a student has it in his heart, like, like you did to do something on an international level, sometimes we don't get the support at home because yeah. it's just out of fear and just out of lack of experience in this realm. And so that it changed, but being able to do what he did changed his life. And look, being mm -hmm. able to do what you did changed yours. Exactly. And Charlotte, I, ours. Charlotte I, I, if I could just chime in, because yes. I want to say, first, I have two things that I want to, number one, we are all HBCU. All right. We all three of us are Morgan, West Virginia State, and, and, and FAMU. So, right. so we want to say that. But the other thing is that as you speak about that traveling, there's another one of us down here who also came, who was also in the track program, and her name is Irina. Okay. And Irina, Irina's part of Irina's part of the crew too. So um just to, to piggyback Irina on what Navarro. You said, yes. 
Yes, Irina, that was... Irina and Antonio are the ones that told me about you. I didn't put it together until we met mm. at the residency celebration. We are all in walking distance, all from the same town. Yep. Um, three of them come from one middle school. I come from the, I come from the other, and we are all in walking distance of each other. Wow. Yep. So that's like community. In Gorgona. In, in Gorgona. <laughs> in Gorgona. In Gorgona. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I, I like that. And I like, so let me, let me ask you this. So when you all decided that you were going to come, encouraged to come to, um, to Panama because Gregory was here, like what had your travel experience been up to that point? Were you travelers? Were you international? Very had traveled. I had. I had traveled because I had a group of friends. And so periodically we would go on a cruise um, or we would fly to an island, that type of that type of thing. I've been to Jamaica and a couple of cruises, but not every year. Mm -hmm. I, I believe in taking a vacation every year. So I, I I did, but I would visit family in the South. But a lot of times those were to the islands and I just wanted to see something different. That just desire. Yeah. Yeah. I never had that desire. I never had that desire. And I and I always ask that question mm -hmm. because a lot of people just don't. And I guess when it's something, it has to be something in you if it's not something that's represented by the people that you see. It just has to be an adventure um, spirit, adventurous spirit within you. Have you put in place the tools and marketing strategies that will drive the revenue and growth outcomes for your business? Are you looking to expand your brand and image nationally and globally? Commercials, podcasting, graphics, and marketing support are just some of the ways we can dress up your business for prime time. We are EliteConversations.com. To learn more about us, Check us out at EliteConversations.com, our website, email us at ecpodcastmedia at gmail.com, or call us at 301-900-5703. There are many people that need to know about the wonderful products and services you have to offer. Let Elite Conversations help you to get the word out.
So when mm-hmm. you was growing up, I mean, when you were small, when you were small, what is your first recollection of travel? Going to Virginia every uh, twice twice a year. My mother was from from Esma, Virginia, which is outside of Charlottesville, mm-hmm. and. We would go to Virginia. I went to my father's home, which was South Carolina, Rock Hill, South Carolina, a couple of times. But it, every year we went to uh, Virginia and we would stop in DC to see my aunt. But that was just about it. So what about you, Dan? What is your first recollection of travel? My first recollection of travel, I went to the Bahamas. I went to the I went to the Bahamas when I was in my thirties. I was in the thirties. That was your first time. Yes, but here, if I can add, my mother's father is 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 from Barbados, and my and, and her mother is from from Spain. So my grandparents, okay, Bayesian and Spanish. Okay. So here was just a draw. Because I, I really didn't know about the canal. Um, I did know about, about the, the Bayesian um, immigrants that came over here to work on the canal. And and once I got here, Charlotte, I felt like I was home. Wow. I felt, I actually want to spread, I actually felt like I was home. Yes. Like, what took you so long? Yes. That, that's, that's, really, that's really what it was. And, and even though I don't know Spanish, you know, my mother, we didn't she didn't speak Spanish, but she always say to me, because I'm 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 all over the place. And she always used to say, Un momento, un momento. And she and I, I know that and, and she did say that from her mother. And now and so with those three un momento, with those three words, I am down here doing it. <laughs> me es, <laughs> me espanol poquito. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> Give me, give me a call on the Spanish spirits, baby. I talk with oh. my hands. That's what yes. I do. I can't stand I him. He talks with his head. And, and I don't even know what he says sometimes. And, and he goes, when somebody says something, he goes, da, 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 da. and they go, oh, da, 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 da. And I'm like, what did you say? Well, he must Who be knew? a real Panamanian. Because Panamanians, they give directions like this. Yes. yes, I mean so they are, they are like they are very very animated in their speaking, yes. and it actually helps you understand what they're saying. I had a Spanish instructor for a little bit, and she was just she, we would do exercises like you know tengo hambre. She would make all these you know gestures, and I thought first I thought oh my god this is so silly, but then I noticed that when people would speak with their hands and make mm-hmm. gestures easier for me to 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 understand them so let me ask you greg what is your first what was your first um recollection of travel growing up cub scouts okay <laughs> my my dad we were i was one of depending on how you look at it one of four or one of uh seven um i grew up really tight-knit and we spent a lot of time with our cousins and so we had no sedans. Everything was just a van. Okay. And not even seats. It would just be like an open, <laughs> like an open space in the van. And we would just all just sit down. And because of Cub Scouts, it just fits so, it fits so well because my dad had this big voice. If you can imagine how my voice is, 
my dad's voice is probably 10 times more, including my mom's voice. And so dealing with kids, a lot of kids made sense to him. And so I would remember just going to different places like Panther Lake uh, and or going down to the Delaware uh, River and um, doing uh, what level one whitewater rafting. And mm -hmm. we would just like travel and we would go to Virginia. We would go to Georgia. We would go to these places and we would literally just go to a van, get in the van. Island. We would have maybe, exactly, maybe like three or four videos that are uh, videotapes that we would play in the back and we would just go and we would just drive. And uh, but yeah, it was Cub Scouts. And I, I wanted to talk to you about uh, one of the, the language uh, part. I don't know. I want to kind of like say that before I uh, forget it. I love the the dialect of Spanish uh, here in Panama. I love it because it is mixed with so much Caribbean, Caribbean English. Exactly. It is bananas. And it's a lot easier, even though some people think it's uh, grotesque or it's like, like you know, it's this like, language that doesn't work, but it works so well for me. I mm. promise you it does. To the point that I speak it better and I understand it better than if I were to speak and understand regular Spanish. It's wow. crazy. Wow. Yeah, I can give you it, examples. It, it, it is funny because <laughs> here you got the you got the Spanish and the Caribbean. You know, mm -hmm. you got the Spanish mm -hmm. and the Caribbean. My um my father in love is from Barbados. And mm -hmm. so he um his family was from Barbados. My mother in love, her family was um from Jamaica. And they came to build the canal. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when I first met my husband, like I, I would tell, you know, I tell the, the story all the time, how, how ignorant I was. Um, I didn't know anything about language. I didn't know anything about where Panama was. All I knew, I was in the best place in the world, honey. I, I mean, I, all I needed was the United States. I didn't need anything else. Look, I'd never been nowhere else. But, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people feel that way. I'm just being, you know, mm -hmm. transparent. And when I heard him speak, I thought he was maybe Jamaican, you know, and then I knew he had some kind of weird accent. And I knew it took me a long time to understand what he was saying. I mean, honest to goodness. And then one day I heard him speaking uh, Spanish and I was like, oh my God. And he looked at me like, I get you from. He just looked at me and he was said, I'm Panamanian. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm thinking myself. But that had a lot to do with my first experience with travel. And my, I was living in Mississippi at the time. Um, that's where I met Alfredo in a grocery store. Tell, I was telling mm. people off the grocery store because they they was trying not to give me my money back for my $6 sunglasses. And I said, <laughs> I'm going to up all day. I ain't going nowhere. Ain't nobody going nowhere till you give me my $6 back. Baby, they had to open up another line. Let me tell you, I caught up. <laughs> For my six dollars, <laughs> and he was in the line behind us. And he was like, he said, "Man, he was like, this girl is not from here." <laughs> so I wasn't from no Biloxi, no, no. but uh, anyway, so that's how we ended up meeting. But I think Biloxi was the first time that I really went like beyond, you know, the Northeast. Um, Mm. You know, or like, um, you know, I lived in Jersey. I lived in Philly. I lived in um, Bucks County at one point. I lived in Wilmington at one point. But that was it. That was about the extent of my living 
somewhere else. But my girlfriend convinced me um, to come to Mississippi and that's how I ended up meeting my husband. Mm. But with regard to my experiences, I, 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 my mother was afraid to fly, um, you know, and she died young, but I always think to myself, I wonder if he would have ever got mommy on a plane. And I don't think so. Um, she was afraid to fly. So that was out, but you know, as far as her ever, you know, the distance that she ever went, baby, if you couldn't get there in a car in like so many hours, she wasn't going, you know, and for a lot of us, that's just real. It's like, our, our our aspect and our idea of travel is just about as far as we can drive, you know? And I think that a lot of that comes from fear, fear of, of even families getting in a car and going from one place to another. I mean, we hadn't at that, I was born in 64. We wasn't that far removed from the green book. You know what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. I think travel for us has just always been something that either we didn't see for ourselves. You know, we thought that only people with money you know, could travel. And quite frankly, when we were raising our children, we never took a family vacation on a plane ever because we couldn't afford that. Okay. And, um, but anyway, my first memory of anybody in my life going anywhere outside of the United States was Vietnam. Mm. The brothers mm. in our community that had gone to Vietnam. And I just can remember them coming back, not the same. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so yeah. my, my experience, that international piece, it was like, you know, all I knew was Vietnam. And mm -hmm. um, that just really wasn't a positive experience, right? So that I think that's kind of has like where I thought I'd never leave the U.S. Think about the people. Now we have the internet, which is so great, you know, because it gives us you know, you had to really be driven. You had to be that person. Like I said, you know, you had to have that adventurous thing inside mm. of you to want to see more than was just there for you to see, right? And in order for you to learn about different things, you had to go out your way, baby, to learn stuff back in the day. You had mm -hmm. to know how to get with a, li a catalog, library catalog. Right. You know what I mean? You had to know how to go and find magazines and things like that. And that was just as simple as, you know, um, turning on your phone to learn. Right. So right. when you don't see people like you traveling, it's just not something you feel like is for yourself and you fear, you know, for your um, family. So being your family and friends. And so being that I am, you know, that person, I am that person that come from a little old uh, hick town, First mm -hmm. time I saw my first time I ever saw my town in print was um, I saw it in the Reader's Digest, and it was talking about how people had cancer in this area of New Jersey. It was talking about mm. Pittman. Glassboro came up because it was talking about Pittman. Pittman was this town, another little town. You know what I'm saying? Like in yeah. Jersey, um, that you probably never heard of, but um, Pittman was an all-white town right next to Glassboro. And mm. they would have, if Black people tried to move in there, they would put, like, back in the day, cherry bombs in their mailbox and just mm -hmm. harass people um, till they got out of there. But Pittman used to be apparently a dumping ground, and the mafia used to dump garbage in oh. garbage in, in Pittman. You know, they would bring stuff from New York and put it in these little, you know, these little bum towns in Jersey. Mm -hmm. and, and it was 
probably more than just that because it was radioactive stuff. Wow. And what was happening was all these people was getting cancer. You know what I mean? And so this this article ended up in the Reader's Digest. It was the first time I ever heard the word rural. And mm. that word was what they, they mentioned, Glassboro, New Jersey. And they said it was a rural town. It's the first time I'd ever heard that wow. word, heard my town described. So I do this show and I usually, I like to talk about my mom sometime and just my experience, just coming from that background to this, because I want people to know that this is, an opportunity. This is an Amen. option. Not everything is for everybody, but right. I think the first thing is to know that it could be. It could be. And if you want to do it, I mean, it starts with a passport, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. It starts with a passport. So let right. me ask you this. Um, and you have been now, uh, Greg, you have been, you go by Greg or Gregory. I don't like to just assume that. Yes, uh, Greg is fine. Okay. I, I don't like to assume that. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, my name, my name's Elizabeth. Hey, Betty. No, <laughs> my name's Elizabeth. <laughs> you know, um, or my name's Deborah, and people just decide to call you Debbie. I don't like Debbie, that. right? Mm. You know what I'm saying? I so I like to I like to respect that um, with people whose names are typically cut short. But so when you came in, what was the residency process like for you back in 2012? And what uh, track have you decided to take with regard to your residency or citizenship in this country? So it, it was a lot easier back then to go ahead and get your permanent residency, um, though it took me uh, a little bit to get it um, because the school was so small and we were kind of putting things together. And, you know, uh, the concept of international schools outside Panama City was very new. Um, but uh, when I came down here, I did the country hop. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Every day, you could be out here for, what, six months? Yeah. And then you had to hop over to, I would take a bus, eight-hour bus ride, right? Um, and I would go to Costa Rica. I would stay there for, like, a border town for, like, three days. Um, and then I would come back. And then that was it. That was my process for maybe the uh, first two to three years. And then um, once Ms. Salter and the soldiers came down, that's when um, we really, the school expanded a lot more. And so, uh, and we were kind of under the microscope to the point that we needed to make sure everything was legit. And yeah. we got it. And so I'm a, um, um, they, they, we got, uh, I think, how did we get it? Friendly Nations visa. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, right, Ms. Salter? I have no idea. <laughs> it was something right. I'm sitting, it was I'm something. sitting there listening to you. I'm listening to you. I, all I know is my boss asked for information. We gave it to her. We met the, the attorney. We followed him wherever he told us to go. And, yes. and before I knew it, I, you had just done. It was it. It yep. was done. So I can't, yep. I, I honestly couldn't tell anybody how to go about doing it. Honestly. I mean, yep. I could read up on it and all. Yeah, it was, it was, it was something like friendly nations visa. And then after that, um, we got uh, a permiso de trabajo, which is a work permit. Permission work to work. Permission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, permission work to work. Um, and then um, from there, we just became permanent residents. And uh, I'm a permanent resident. I don't you know, have to stay in the foreigner line. I go straight through. 
<laughs> yes, yes, me too. <laughs> and every time I, you know, come back from out, they're like, oh, you need a return ticket or it's always the same deal. And I just show them my residency card and, and that's it. But I'm like my Salter. I'm like the Salters. I don't really know. Yeah. But it was back. It was my, somebody my else, somebody else assisted with that process. And yes. I'm wondering uh, with, with, the, with the school, because you came here. So now yeah, it's probably it a lot school. more efficient and faster uh, and, and, and more important because right. now, like being a teacher, so you're teachers, so you're, you're, you're a vice principal and um, Sherry is a teacher and Darren was a teacher. So, you know, in Panama, you have all of these protected professions, you know, and you can't just come here as foreigners and be a doctor. I, I don't think a teacher, mm -hmm. like, a, you know, you probably have to go through special, special right. process for you mm -hmm. foreigners to be a teacher here. And, and I don't know if you would be able to teach in a public school. Right. Well, they have... They well, I, I've also volunteered in the public school uh um as, with the English club. Um and you are uh and uh so I, I'm a little bit prevy to how the Maduka system works as far as the public school goes. Mm -hmm. Um so you're absolutely right, but there's even if I were to have permission, you need special permission one, and then it's like a contract with the school, and you have a limited amount of time in order to work at that particular school. Um, at that profession, and then you have to renew. Um, as far as pre uh, uh, protected uh, professions go, teacher is one of those, it depends on the subject. For example, I can't teach Spanish um, even to non-native uh, non Spanish speakers because I was told that the kids must develop a Panamanian accent. So me being a foreigner, I cannot provide that, even though I have a degree in Spanish. Um, another thing that's protected is Panamanian history. I cannot be a history teacher. I can legally not, even if I have permission. Even though I have a degree in anthropology, I cannot, because uh, they want the perspective of a uh, of the history to be from a Panamanian, born. I'm also a swim coach down here, and I cannot be a technical swim coach. I cannot start a swim team because I'm not a Panamanian boy. Crazy, right? Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, Panama is serious about that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, and it's, and it's a little bit ridiculous. Well, but but and but on the other side of that though, I really wish that the U.S. were more like it. I yeah. really wish that the yeah. U.S. would be yeah. more protective. Of, I mean, look, I mean, come on now, and I'm, I'm not saying that the, the the medical care that I received in the U.S. is not good or anything mm. like that. But listen, my dentist is a black woman in 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 um in the U.S. and I I typically seek out you know, um, black medical professionals, you know, when I can. Yeah. But my dentist is the only American born doctor that I had in the States. Wow. Really. And I, I just think that, I think that that speaks values mm -hmm. that, um, you know, most of our doctors are not American born um, anymore. And that's because those, those professions are 
weren't protected. You know, you can't come here and be a lawyer. You know, I think that you can apply for some of these after you've gone through the citizenship process and getting residency and even permanent residency is different than becoming a citizen of a country. And so that's when more things will open up. And and that's kind of why, like, you know, Black expats in Panama, we have a B2B network because people have a tendency, I'm so glad that you got into all what you cannot do, even with all your degrees, all your experience, you've been in Panama for 12 years, you know, almost now, and it doesn't change. You know, people come and they don't realize that. And they come and they money run out because they just think, you know, I'm going to hop on a plane. I'm going to go out here. It's not that expensive. I could do a little this. I could do a little that, you know, and I can I can make it. And then they're going home with their tail between their legs broke, you know, because they did not find a way to 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 uh, sustain themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. It happens. And I see it all the mm-hmm. time. So that was one of the reasons that I created the B2B Network. We meet up once a month and Mm -hmm. we meet with uh, Black expats in Panama, other foreigners and Panamanians. And we find out how we can create synergistic and creative business opportunities. You know, Mm -hmm. how we can work together. And a lot of times, if you're going to come here and you're going to be successful, you need to know what you can do and what you can't do. And the best thing for you to do is be ready to work with Panamanians. If you come and you want to create a corporation or something, you could do that. But even with that, you are required to hire a percentage of Panamanians. And people talk about that, but you know what? I'm like, they're protected. Exactly. And I I appreciate that. I Mm -hmm. really appreciate that. Okay, so unfortunately, this is going to have to be a part two. I know, I know, I know it's good, good, good. But I got to see you guys back here next week (laughs) for the balance of the show. But I mean, when I said that the show was a bonus, was I was that was I telling the truth? Was I really telling the truth about that? Uh, We're going to learn more about them and their story on next week we're gonna have to leave it right there but i mean i just think that this is an an amazing story about love about you know even when it comes to family you know and what what makes you family like you know i say with the with the u.s i'm not not giving up my my citizenship um to the u.s the u.s is my family the u.s is you know, you you can choose family, and then sometimes you know you're just part of a family, and um, so that's kind of where I am uh, with the U.S. Is that that that's my family? You know, good, bad, ugly, whatever. That's my family. Panama's family that I've chosen right now. You know, so much like um, Greg and and Darren and and Sherry, how they basically are a family unit here in. Panama and how, you know, even though they're not related, they're like relatives, they look out for each other. They're all within the same um, 
you know, industry. I think that it's so interesting to learn about teaching in another country. And like I said, it comes up a lot. So um, we're going to get back with them next week. In the meantime, I just want to thank my main man, Daryl Spears, Elite Conversation Podcast Media, for producing this show. And guys, you can find these shows afterwards, like all over the place. Um, I think I'm on iHeart, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, Apple. Yes. Um, thank you, Daryl, because he just takes care of all that. And I just love that brother for it. So um, you can follow us there. And it's like um, Black Expat Journey podcast. Um, we will see you next week. In the meantime, I'm going to leave you with Billy Paul. Thanks for saving my life. And I think I want to leave you with that because, first of all, Billy was born in Philadelphia, but he lived a long time in New Jersey. As a matter of fact, he died in New Jersey, like down in South Jersey. Yes, that's right. The real Garden State. He died in South Jersey, like in Blackwood or Lindenwall, Clementon, somewhere in that area. And um, he sang that song, Thanks for Saving My Life. And I just think that, um, you know, these folk coming together and how, um, you know, Greg just felt so, so much more complete when, once um, Darren and Sherry came to Panama to, um, to be with him. And I mean, when they actually got together and um, that was just awesome. So I'm gonna let you go. And I love you. I love you. I love you. And there is just nothing you can do about it. This is Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of Glassboro, New Jersey, right here on BlackSitRadio.com. And I will see you guys next week. Follow us everywhere, baby. Ciao.